Hello and welcome to My Therapy with Justin Dickey for Monday, February 26th, 2018. Today is a special show for us as we have Tyler Cavanaugh coming on the show. He's an old friend of mine and uh, the guinea pig for my efforts to conduct conversations slash interviews on this podcast. Tyler and I originally met online, of all places, um, over a decade ago. Uh, we were both on a junior A hockey league chat forum. Um, he was from Truro, Nova Scotia. I was from the rival Amherst, Nova Scotia. And we, uh, I don't know how we came to know each other so well. I honestly don't even recall how it came to be, but, uh, Tyler was in high school or even middle school when we met. Um, I might've been ending high school, heading into university and it's funny to reflect now that Tyler has a master's degree in exercise physiology as well as a uh, undergrad in athletic training from the University of Maine Presque Isle and to think that he was just uh, just a kid when I met him is is really something and recently maybe about a year or more ago I came to understand that Tyler was also suffering from depression and he as I explain in the conversation, really started to started that process for me of being comfortable with opening up about it. Tyler's background associated with depression may be linked to his um, background from a child when he suffered several concussions during athletic activity, which we get into a little bit in the conversation. So I'll just leave it at that. And here's a conversation with my friend Tyler Cavanaugh. Enjoy. I'm good. Good to hear from you. So, um, uh, we, we go back a long way. Uh, it's, and I was thinking about this earlier and how odd it is that how we kind of came to know each other. And it was through that, uh, junior A league, uh, online forum initially, like when, no, exactly. like 10 I years had, ago uh, or something. Had the same thought myself the other day, thinking back just on, you know, how long it's been and how, you know, we kind of came to know each other, um, over it you know, that time and how, you know, it had gone from just that to, you know, here we are, you know, over a decade later, right? So, yeah, and I, I um, said, kinda, sorry, kinda go ahead. to think about it in the, you know, I guess that's the technology world, right? Yeah, so. um, I said in my previous podcast about how, what, uh, what in part motivated me to talk about what I had going on on Bella's Talk Day and what's motivated me to start this podcast was, um, in part, your blog that uh, I know you were writing a blog, and I, I read about your difficulties with depression. I know you have a background involving concussions as well, um, just through your blog. So um, I guess, first of all, thank you for kind of inspiring me to start this. 
Um, I've mentioned before as well how Michael Landsberg has played a big uh, part in this as well, but um, having somebody that I know also take that first step really helped me get to that next spot. So thank you for that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's funny that you say that because when I was, you know, sitting there online last week and, um, you know, it popped up and I saw, you know, the first tweet and then, you know, the second one and then, you know, the subsequent thread that you would put out there and I'm sitting there reading it saying, hey, no way, right? Like, it's just you don't expect it to happen to, you know, your friends or your family. You don't expect, you know, anyone to be suffering through these things. Um, and you just never know who it could be, right? So, like, when I saw that, it was, you know, it was a surprise to me for sure to say, hey, wow, um, the guy would have, you know, had no idea. And, you know, when I saw you come out and, you know, put it out there like that, it's, you know, that's not an easy thing to do. And I've done that myself a time or two as well, as you had mentioned. And, um, like, Michael Landsberg as well, um, you know, doing it every day the way he does, it's, it's certainly not an easy thing to do. And, you know, when I saw you do it, it was, it was, it gave me a little bit of a, you know, a hope too, from, you know, my perspective, um, you know, as you had mentioned, we go way back and I, it's funny that I say it, you know, all these years later, but, um, you know, at the time I was what, probably 14, 15 years old, a kid. Right. And, you know, at that time I, you, you know, being a little bit older than me, I had looked up to you and to see this, you know, from you was, it's, it just makes you step back and say, wow, right? And it's, that's, that's a strange thing to hear, to be honest, uh, that it, and it's funny with the lack of information that we, that people share with one another and how we never get into our feelings because like, I, I never would have thought that you thought of me that way. Um, where do we go from here? I guess where I'll start is, do you, do you think that your concussion history and your depression issues are related? Uh, yes, I do. Um, I don't think it's, you know, 100%. Yes, I had a concussion. Yes, I'm going to have a depression. And that's, you know, not a narrative I want people to start believing either, right? Because that's just not a good road to go down for anyone. Um, but, you know, having... Having a bit of a background, um, you know, both education-wise and personally dealing with, you know, concussions, um, absolutely I do. And, you know, the more you read about the Derek Bugards, the Rick Rippins, the Wade Belaks of the world, um, it's hard not to think about that. It really is, right? Yeah. Um, so what, what's your concussion history? What, what kind of happened that way? Um, well, uh, I had a few as a kid, um, typical, you know, rough and tumble country kid stuff, crashing your bike on jumps. You shouldn't have been jumping, you know, the usual stuff. Um, a couple more in sports, hockey, lacrosse and whatnot. Um, I was in seventh grade, eighth grade when that was it for competitive sports for me. And, you know, at, at that age, you know, it, well, at that age, it sucks because it takes away, you know, that one thing that you did. And, you know, looking back now being, you know, an adult, it's it's tough to look back at that. Um, it's, it's hard to think, hey, like that was, you know, that was my social interaction at the time, right? Was, you know, going to practice every Tuesday and Thursday and playing on Saturday with all your friends. And then all of a sudden, you, you're ready for the next year and that's gone. And, you know, at 
particularly with me and you know being at that age um that's you know a prime age of you know brain development in those adolescent years and it was you know the one thing i always had was sport um as a child in elementary school and then it was gone right so that that was definitely not easy uh, you know the the magnitude of the effect that that has had on me i don't know and i'll probably never know but um yeah it was definitely uh i mean nobody wants to hear that you know 14 15 years old right yeah how like how did you even deal with that how did you start to how did you process that at the time like what was that process how did like how did you come to learn that you couldn't do these competitive sports anymore well at that time um it was more of a it was the risk worth it right it, it's not like it you know rendered me completely unable to do anything but at you know 14 you get <laughs> most of your life ahead of you right um so, so to keep, you know, putting yourself in that situation, it, it's, you know, my parents at the time made the decision and, you know, probably rightfully so that, you know, that wasn't something I'm going to do anymore. And, you know, when I had suffered um, the worst one I had around that time, um, I, you know, I missed gym class for two months, right? <laughs> like I did, did absolutely nothing. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was tough. Did you understand it at the time? No, no, I really don't think at all. Um, I, I mean, I understanding, you know, head injuries. I don't know that you know anyone still. Of course, we don't understand them um, at the time. You're the age I was. It, no, right. Like the older I get, the more I kind of, you know, think about it and reflect on it. As you know, we do most things in life as we age. But um, at the time, no, not at all. It's Did you, uh, like, did you, do you remember, like, suffering any immediate depression? Is that where it started, do you think? Or is that, was that something that kind of, like, set in later? Um, to be honest, I don't know when it started. Um, in particular, like, I couldn't pinpoint a year or a date. It's just something that I've always, since I've been, you know, or had enough cognition to, you know, process these memories and, you know, think about these things. It's something that I've always kind of felt, yeah, that's me, you know, um, you know, whether I shared that with anyone or not, that it's something that I always, you know, you felt the connection to, right? Even, um, you know, I don't want to speak for you, but even pre-diagnosis when you, you know, you said you read posts by all these people and, you know, you're sitting there thinking, hey, that's me. That was, you know, for as long as I can remember something I've connected to. Yeah, absolutely. And I haven't got into this on the podcast yet, but in that this is for another episode soon, but I uh I had an episode uh, like 9 years ago and uh it was very similar. I think it's more severe now. But um yeah, it was just kind of that that I guess a little bit of independent research into what what oh, these are my symptoms what does this correlate with and it was depression so it was I, yeah it, it had it had existed for so long but it just kind of gets to that breaking point where you're like i i, I can't take this anymore where, where do i go um right what when was that for you you know honestly i i i don't know um i don't 
I had connected it with it for, you know, as long as I can imagine, but I was, I was out of high school and through two degrees before I ever really thought about, you know, hey, what can I do about this, <laughs> right? Um, it was just something that you, you lived with, whether you liked it or not, right? Did you find ways to cope or did you just live with it? Um, yes and no. Um, you, you sit there and you live with it, right? Um, probably not in the ways you should, um, but you, you find a way and, you know, you, you go to bed and you wake up the next day and you're just living in that continuous cycle of monotony and you, you live with it. Um, I don't know if cope is the the word because it, that it, you know that living with it so to speak and just living you know day to day in that same that same cloud or that same perspective is I don't know if that's really coping with it right or just ignoring it even right yeah I got to a point where I realized that my my normal wasn't normal it was just got to a point where it was um like every day was the same and every day was that horrible mentality and that, uh, you know, it began to um, bring on, you know, those suicidal ideations at a certain point. When I get to that point, it was like, you know, this is, it's, I, I gotta, I, I can't, I personally, I know a lot of people have struggled to get to this point, but for me, it was like, I can't live every day wanting to kill myself because I'll do it and I don't want to I don't want to get to that point and and that's yeah. I've been struggling with that constantly recent even recently and yeah and I, I think that's you know right there is part of the stigma is that um you know that surrounds depression is you know you just said it right there I can't do this every day or you know I'm not gonna be here it's not you know it's not the selfish out that, you know, people get blamed for, um, you know, it, it's that you just, you kind of hit that point and it's, you don't feel comfortable with yourself anymore. Right. It's, I, I truly believe that, you know, somebody who does that is, you know, they're not them when they decide to take their own life or they decide to, you know, harm themselves because they've had, you know, these thoughts or these ideation, these ideas, um, rather in their head and they, they just repeat over and over until that becomes the new normal, right? Yeah. I got, I, I got to a point where, um, yeah, it was just a, this, this can't go on. And when I, when I went to work to, Thankfully, I, I have an employer that offers sick leave benefits that I never, ever in my life expected I would use unless I had cancer or something that was going to um, physically debilitate me. And I guess, um, in a way, depression does, but it's really hard to describe because like, I can walk, I can, I can, do, I can do regular things. I just, I couldn't work anymore. It. it I was of no value to my employer, and when I went in and uh, 
told them that I had to go, it was, uh, I had a tremendous amount of guilt. I had a tremendous amount of, uh, uh, felt, I guess I felt selfish is the word I'm looking for. And that was because you couldn't see it. And I had this self stigma. Like I've said over and over on the podcast that I would never treat somebody else this way, but yet in my own head, to me, it's selfish to myself. And I'm criticizing myself. I wouldn't criticize anyone else for doing the same thing I did. But I could. I, I still struggle with that. And the the worst part about it was that no nobody. I don't want to say nobody, but almost nobody made me feel otherwise. I had a few colleagues reach out to tell me that you know they supported me and I needed to do what I needed to do. But for the most part, especially um, some of the people I worked most closely with, um, had had. Uh, had no support for me right and that's that's the thing that i've found you know uh, not only with myself but with others is we're so inclined to you know you would think about the 10 who didn't reach out over the three who did right like you you train over a course of you know days months weeks years what have you um yourself to think this way right so I mean, after a while, you're probably, you know, you're wired to think that those people aren't reaching out over, you know, the three people who are and who are probably going to be, you know, the better ones for you to be communicating with, right? Um, But you've trained yourself out of that, right? You know, whether you've meant to or not um, is the way that I've started to see it and learn. Um, It's it's almost like the, um, the antithesis of, you know, the, I guess, like, the, what all the sports coaches are preaching, right, um, where you've got to come in and be real good every single day and get better every single day, but but with depression, you know, sometimes it's, you are getting better at having depression, right, because you're just repeating the same process over and over. You're practicing having depression by constantly, you know, repeating this action or these thoughts or you know whatever mechanism it has that has led you there yeah i asked you about uh kind of your the point where you identified it and i i guess what i meant by that was like when did you decide to seek help like what was that point that that made you decide it was time i guess it was probably after after i had um you know i was coming to the end of my academic career and that was you know well with grade school and then the university and everything else that's you know that was basically all I knew and um, you know things started to change pretty quickly after that as they do when you become a functional adult in the real world and you know not not just a student anymore and um, you know I was around that time where there were a number of things that, you know, were just really eating at me internally. And I just, I felt that, you know, I, I needed to do much like you had said, I needed to do something. I had no idea what that something was. Um, but yeah, I needed to do something because that's the, the way I was going was, you know, it was leading me into, I didn't want to get out of bed ever. Right. And that's, you know, nobody wants to do that. So all the time, right? So that was, you know, for me, that was 
I had to do something at that point. What was it that you did? I I went to a walk-in, I believe, and just yeah, because that was all I had at the time, and I I just went in and said, look, I I need to try something, anything, because because I really, you know, I didn't know what to do, um, and it's the the funny thing with you know a mental illness is, um, like you had said, it doesn't you know present itself like a physical illness. Um, and it's so weird to try and conceptualize the things that we do or need to do to get help um, with any other illness. I can't imagine, you know, walking into a clinic and being, look, doc, I think I have diabetes or look, doc, I think I have, you know, MS or whatever. Right? <laughs> That's not, you know, how it works with pretty much anything. But for so many people with, you know, a mental illness, that's that's what they're, you know, drawn to is that. Yeah. So uh, what kind of what uh, what was the help that you received or what was the what's the journey been and how long was it? How long ago was it that you decided to reach out for help? That was, I guess, almost. Yeah, over a year now. Almost two years. Wow, yeah, almost two. Wow, I'm dating myself here. <laughs> um, yeah, and, you know, it started out real rocky. Um, it, it, I had, you know, more than my fair share of battles with medications um, to the point where, you know, I ended up in the ER because I hadn't eaten for several days from the side effects of one of them right to, you know, it was, I think I had tried five or six different ones, and I don't know if it was just I never, you know, gave something a fair enough shake, but it, it seemed that every time I would, you know, start another one, I'd have some new type of symptoms or some other symptom, and it eventually after, you know, so many, they, you know, they'd say, don't give up and keep trying, but when you know you've failed and failed again trying all these things that are supposed to be helping you it it all it makes it almost worse right yeah did you eventually stick to something i stopped altogether for a while um and then i decided after i you know got away from all of them i would go kind of back off the medication um, and focus more on some of the stuff that I could do and some of the stuff that I could see. And for me, that was the start. Um, by all means, not the end. Um, and, you know, I don't know that I'll ever reach a finish line and say, hey, I'm cured <laughs> because that's, you know, right now that's not how that works, unfortunately, for us, but um, yeah, I've kind of stepped back and focused more on, you know, what am I doing and how can I get better at beating this? And it's it's so strange for somebody to like me um, because even you know after I had stopped playing sports, I was always involved in sports, and you know the mantra of sports is to you know. When you fall down, you get back up and you keep going and you keep fighting. And 
you know, for a while I, I didn't want to, even though that was, you know, all I knew. And, you know, if it was a tough game or a tough series and you lost, you'd bounce up. But, you know, there, there came a time where I didn't know that I was going to bounce up and it's, it's the very same lesson applied to two different things, but one of them, you believe it every time. And the, the other one, you don't acknowledge it at all. It's, uh, it's really tough to hear the idea of not uh, bouncing back up because I feel that so much all the time that when you really get down about things and you you get to that dark place where you your your thoughts kind of fester and stew with themselves that you get to a point where you know you you don't think that you can keep going or you don't uh, you know you don't want to get back up at least and um, what's it's kind of an interesting thought because I've felt it, you've felt it, but when I think about the steps that I'm taking, and then I think about what you said after or said before that about how you were trying to, you know, you tried other avenues to see what to do to to do things that you could see, the things that you could control. Even though you're having those feelings like you don't want to get back up, you're, I guess it's almost like you're subconsciously trying because you're still trying to take those steps. And I can, I know for myself, um, I've had some resistance from my doctor, first of all, to even get on medication. Um, after about six weeks of therapy, I said, this therapy is useless to me unless I can kind of pull myself together and I think I need some medication to help with that and the doctor said yeah the therapy should be helping you by now so I'll put you on some medication I don't know if the medication is working but um, the latest from my doctor is that um, let's stick with it until I see a psychiatrist which will be another couple of months because it's it's not doing me any harm I don't think but it's not doing me any good Um, and to, to, to switch it up could have damaging effects so um, we're just going to stick with it till we get a more uh, detailed opinion. Uh, but in the meantime, I, uh, I've started to eat differently. Um, I've been on the ketogenic diet, and I wanted to pursue hormone therapy as well with additional resistance from my doctor. We, we checked out testosterone, which was, except, was very low for my age, and I'm on a, on a testosterone supplement now. And I want to explore that further, but he's been resistant to it, so I have to wait until I see the until I see the psychiatrist to do that. So I I totally get what you're saying about you know not wanting to get back up, and I feel the exact same way. But I I, I said in my last podcast um, it's actually um, the same day that I'm recording this that I recorded that one, and I feel pretty good today. And uh, when when I feel better, I kind of reflect on what I'm doing, and it makes it makes me think that even though when I feel like I'm out and you know I get to my worst, I'm, there, I'm, I'm still taking steps and I'm still doing I'm still doing things that are I'm trying to make myself better. So what I was wondering was um, you you had mentioned doing things that you could control, doing things you could see. What types of things were those? I've, over the last few years, um, kind of, you know, learned about myself that I'm I'm a person who needs to be busy um, all the time. 
and, and that's you know whether the busy is you know that that doesn't necessarily mean busy in the sense that you know I've got my hands in four different places trying to do five different things at once it, it's it's more busy in the sense that I need to keep myself occupied um and that that has often posed a challenge for me and when I don't have you know um, I think you had mentioned it in one of the earlier episodes, actually. Um, but one of, you know, that distraction or that, you know, whatever it is, something to just keep my mind, you know, flowing and, you know, keep it away from those darker thoughts in those areas. But once, for me, it's once that, you know, boredness or that lack of stimulation sets in, I, I don't do well, right? So You kind of lose control of that ability to distract yourself? Yes, exactly. And, you know, I could, there's days where I'll sit here and, you know, play my guitar for five hours in a row and not realize five hours have gone by. And those are the good days. Um, and then there's bad days where, you know, I'm, I, I try that. And it just doesn't work. And then, you know, I try something else. I'll pick up a book and it just doesn't work. And I'll, I'll try something else and something else again. And it just doesn't work. And you know, that's when I start to wonder, well, what's going to work today, right? That That's when that boredom sets in and then the negative thinking sets in. And um, I, you know, as, as well as I know, as well as, you know, anyone who deals with, you know, depression or depressive thoughts is that it, it can quickly spiral down that road. Uh, one thing that I I really struggle with is when... I, I I said this on the last podcast as well that when I have a good day I forget about what bad feels like and then when I get bad again um, I kind of forget what good feels like but at the same time I do remember that I felt good and I start to think why does this go day by day and why does this fluctuate so drastically and I really start to doubt myself and what, how how uh i i almost go into like you know how real is this and i really really get into a a, that really spirals quickly there's so much for me so much of my own struggle is is of my own doing and my own my own head telling me that it's not real and it's it's in that i you know i need to suck it up and but i can't and then it's just it's a back and forth of criticism do you experience anything like that I connected so much with what you had just said. Um, so much of this is my own doing. Um, absolutely. Um, that's, you feel it. I feel that, you know, a hundred percent it's, you're doing it and you're con- sometimes you're even consciously aware that you're doing it, but it doesn't stop. Yeah. And, and, and that's what, you know, makes it so, debilitating i guess or well unique um that's what makes you know depression depression is that you can you know do so much damage to yourself without even realizing that you're doing anything at all yeah i didn't identify that or i didn't identify things like things to preoccupy my mind when I see my, when I can kind of sense I'm going down 
a path, the, the dark path I don't want to go down, those kind of coping mechanisms I, I developed through going to therapy. Have you explored that option? I've had a few off appointments, um, but I've never had a good opportunity where I could get something consistent that that made me feel comfortable. Um, so, so I kind of stepped out of that realm um, because, it, simply put, it, it, any anything is not go- anything along that regard is not going to work if you're not comfortable doing it. Right, and and I don't think that's exclusive to you know depression. Um, that's you know anything. If you know if you're you know 15, 16 years old learning to drive a car for the first time and you get behind a wheel and you know you're sitting there saying nope there's no way I can't do this I don't want to do this you're probably not driving that car right <laughs> like mm. uh, um, so you know I've kind of stepped away from it um, by you know and that was a choice that I made because I wasn't comfortable with the options that I had at the time um it's something I would definitely consider. Um, but at the same time, I, I like to think, you know, while, while it's not, you know, perfect, I'm from that side of things doing pretty well right now. Uh, and, you know, it, it, it is, I don't, you know, necessarily believe that, you know, this is the way that everyone should do it. I don't necessarily believe everyone has the same way of doing it. Um, because that's, you know, it's such a versatile condition uh, and illness. It's it's more the end goal for me. And if you can reach that end goal and you're, you know, taking those baby steps to achieve the end goal every day, then that's that's what matters, right? And right now I feel like I am. Um, so I'm comfortable with that. Yeah, it's gonna be different for everybody. And if this is a if you're in a good place, then ride that. I my advice would be ride that wave. You know, don't don't mess with it if you're in a good spot. And if you, but you know, you should know that if if you get down again, that if you've had a few bad experiences, it doesn't mean that they're all gonna be bad. Um, no, and that's it. It's it's you know the the one bad haircut you've had or you know <laughs> what have you doesn't necessarily mean that they're all going to be like that right yeah uh, exactly and that's you know that's something i am very much open to the idea again if and when i feel that's something i need um but as of right now uh, it's it's not something that i feel i need to pursue right now and i'm th- i'm thankful for that um because that means i'm doing okay that's great um I I identify with what you said there so much because when I had my first episode nine or so years ago, um, my first ever interaction with a psychotherapist was at uh, Dalhousie University. They had some resources there. I was taking some courses there at the time. My wife went with me to the appointment. She stayed in the in the waiting room when I went in to speak with the with the psychotherapist, and. I sit down and he goes, you know, what what brought you here? And I said, well, I'm depressed. And he said, well, what do you mean? And I said, I, I don't know what I mean. I mean, I'm, I think I'm depressed and like I just, I'm in a bad place. And he said, 
he tried to ask a couple different ways. It's like, I don't know where to start right now. Like it's the first time I've ever been in an, an office like this and I'm very overwhelmed and I, I need some, I need some help. The message, the, the, what he said that really sent me over the edge was let's, let's set aside for a moment the superficial idea of depression and like really let's get to the core of it we're like five minutes into this thing and he's like let's get to like what's going like what what's wrong my response was rage i was like i don't i don't know how again i'm, I'm a pretty even tempered person and i just went into almost a blind rage and i was like i don't i get so frustrated i said i don't know where i don't know what to tell you right now I, I thought I was coming here so you could help me identify it. And uh, I, I just got really overwhelmed. And then he's like, well, uh, let's, bring your, let's bring your wife in. And then he actually went and got my wife and brought her in the room. And then she tried to help him explain it. And then it was a gong show. The guy was out to lunch. And I, I don't know what, uh, I don't know how he was qualified to do his job. But that was my first experience with, with working with that sort of therapy. And so, yeah, I can imagine, you know, going back this time around is certainly not, you know, that first time you'd gone back, I, I can imagine, you know, the difficulty in that. Well, thankfully, I did give it a couple more tries. Um, I, went, I ended up seeing someone else a little while later at Dow, who was pretty good. And in the meantime, I guess before I went to see that guy, I had tried at least one, I want to say two, but I'm thinking of one for sure. Um, outside therapists that I paid, like a private therapist I paid for a session, for a couple of sessions. And uh, it just wasn't going anywhere. I wasn't ready for it, I guess. And I went to see another person at Dow, and it, it kind of clicked at that point. That kind of, and it was at that point um, that I really turned around in that episode. And I, uh, I, at the time, I had dropped out of school, and then I became employed again. I reapplied to school. I got into another program, and the program I ended up graduating from and has created a career for myself. So the, it was it, all it took was one guy. It was just a couple of different tries, and then one guy kind of helped me with it. And thankfully, when I went into it this time, it was the first shot. The first guy I saw was immediately awesome and the best person I've seen ever. And uh, I've been going there for four months, and any lack of progress is entirely on me not being ready for it, but because he's been great. It's interesting you mentioned that too, because I had heard you, you know, mention that in one of the casts last week as well is the, you know, not being ready for it. And that, that is very much a real thing. And there are, you know, so many occasions out there where somebody is, you know, pushed into it and, it doesn't matter what it is. If you're pushed into something you don't want to do, you're probably not going to go do it again. Right. Or if you're pushed into something you're not ready to do, you're probably not going to go pick up and do that again on your own. Right. And, And that's not, you know, like I said, that's not exclusive to, you know, therapy or depression or anything. Right. Like if, that's, that applies to every aspect in life. Right. Mm. Um, at least in my experience. Um, kind of switching gears a bit. Um, we had chatted last night. Uh, I was wanted to throw a couple of ideas at each other, make sure we were comfortable with what we were going to talk about. And one thing I had mentioned was you took a uh, 
is it athletic therapy at University of Maine Presque Isle, and then you took a master's in exercise physiology at Memorial, is that correct? That is correct. I believe it's athletic training in athletic. the States, athletic therapy in Canada, uh, Okay. but yeah. So um, did your experience with at least concussions, certainly, but any kind of thoughts that you may have had depression, did that at all uh, drive you in that direction, education and career-wise? A little bit, um, but not extensively. Um, to be able to, you know, study the human body, uh, it's just such a, well, it's pretty much the most complex living thing on this planet, right, um, is the human. So there, there's just so much to learn there, um, whether it's, you know, movement science or, you know, medical science or anything. Um, and so that really kind of drove me in that particular direction or the direction I went because I've had, you know, such an interest in sports, right? Um, so that was kind of why I went in that direction. But, yeah, there's definitely a lot of that. And it, it's something, you know, I've seen having worked with, you know, athletes doing internships and you know whatnot as well um seeing somebody suffer from a concussion acutely is one thing um because they're you know in in that time period whether it's you know a few minutes or even a few days or whatnot the that acute phase is you know they're just not themselves Mm-hmm. they're you know you know they're out of their mind and and to me at first it was weird to see that and and try and you know picture that as me it, it was just something that I couldn't do um but the, you know the more people I became exposed to who started experiencing these things and the more people I started seeing with you know concussions and you know, the more I learned about them and the more I read about them and I mean, it makes sense, right? If you, if you have a bad knee and you constantly injure your knee, the older you get, the worse your knee gets. I, I, <laughs> why would that be any different with the brain? Right. So, um, yeah, as you know, I educationally, you know, started to go on that path. I did, you know, take a vested interest in it, but that, it definitely wasn't, you know, the reason at 18 I decided to go to school for what I did or anything, mm. but it, it definitely had a huge influence on, you know, why I wanted to learn about this because I, I'm just fascinated by, you know, the brain, I, I guess, in general. It, mm. It's it's cool. Right? Um, so, yeah, I guess that's kind of why I went that route. and then the other side of it is and that's more the side i've seen as i've you know matured and as i've had the opportunity to you know do some internships and you know work for some teams and stuff and you just it's so hard to look at and i see that like i've seen this the older i've gotten it's so hard to see you know for me, um, a kid suffer a concussion like that um, because you you just don't know right what that's gonna do and 
how that's going to affect them. And it's just so hard to see that happen to, you know, a child who's got everything in front of them, right? Um, or, you know, even a high school kid or even an adult, right, who hasn't experienced one. It's the more I've learned on the, you know, science and the medical side of them, um, the more I sympathize um, if I combine that with, you know, what I've felt as well. It's just hard to see. Hmm. Uh, but I guess, um, yeah, it's hard to see, but it's it's hard to see because it's relatable, I guess. Right, it is that, you know, I don't want somebody to hit their head and, I mean, nobody does, and then have them, you know, get hurt and then have, you know, all these symptoms. And part of the problem with, you know, particularly with, you know, sports concussion, um, sports injury in general, really, but um, sports concussion is usually when you're hurt, even if you're, you know, coming back that season or coming back next season, you're completely pulled away from the team, right? And that's, you know, that's a social element that's all of a sudden gone. And when you have a concussion, the second side of it is you're, you know, you're home and in bed, right? Because your head hurts, everything pounds, and if, you know, sometimes sometimes it's, you know, noise sensitivity or sometimes it's light sensitivity or what have you, right? Most of the time you're, you're home and in bed, and if I've learned anything, you know, about depression, uh, being home and in bed is generally not a good thing, right? So it's once you're there I just think it's so much easier to have those negative thoughts because you're like you're there you're in pain or you're miserable and you can't do anything about it right so it's it's almost like a natural progression right yeah it's that uh it's so easy to see how those two things can be correlated because for me a big contributor to depression is hopelessness or the feeling of hopelessness and if you're laying in bed and you've got light sensitivity and you've been like that for two weeks, you're ob- you're going to get to a point where it's like, is this ever going to, uh, am I ever going to get better? And that hopelessness creeps in and then it's going to stick with you even if you get better. It can, at least. And yeah, it's so, it's so easy to see. And obviously you've got that damage, most likely permanent damage to your brain. And who knows? The other or, side of it is when you're, you know, in that phase of the injury, it's stopping you from doing anything else. So, you know, as we had talked about earlier, it's so hard to find that distraction because yeah, you're reduced to that, right? Um, which, I mean, is it happens with so many injuries, not just concussions, um, is, you know, for the same reasons, is because you're reduced to, you know, a lesser quality of life, essentially, right? So it just makes the bad side of depression, the negative thoughts come easier, right? Yeah. Um, regarding your education, do you think your education or your career path has helped you better understand depression in any way? Yes. Um, because I, you know, um, when I was in AT school, I you know, and I interned with a number of teams, um, spent a lot of time there. I'd done, you know, a boatload of volunteer work with a number of teams, and I had a boatload of clinical rotations, too. 
um and, and you know those were in every aspect from you know geriatric rehabilitative populations in hospitals um inpatients outpatients in hospitals to you know physical therapy clinics to you know competitive athletes to high school students to everything in between right so um that really helped me see a wide variety of people and even though they were typically presenting with you know an orthopedic injury or a sports injury um just the exposure and even i guess even in my current job uh, i do work at a clinic and i do interact with a lot of patients and um you know when you're speaking to these people you you hear things you have that compassion because you've lived it right and you know some people you just relate to them right and, that, and that, that's it you you hear some of the words they're saying and some some of what you know they're telling you and what they're expressing or what they're trying to express and you, you sit there and say you know much like you and I have in this conversation said yeah that's me i get that right so yeah i do i do think you know that exposure to to be able to interact with so many different people um of all ages with you know so many different conditions um it helps immensely just it, you see it you see it and you see you know you're not alone and mm. while while you know I mean personally I w- I would love to be alone in this and be the only one fighting this uh across the whole planet I I would be more than happy to too but but it, but it is nice to see that hey you're not alone right so mm. and I resonate so much with that idea that you wish you were the only one because that's what's kind of driven me to speak out and to do this podcast and hopefully well, I also volunteer with the Canadian Mental Health Association in in Halton and Oakville, and um, my motivating factor in that is that I know what this feels like, and I don't, in whatever awareness I can create by anything that I'm doing, or to help reduce the stigma, or to try to raise funds to for research or anything along those lines, anything I can do. It is going to make me feel better and is going to hopefully help somebody else get through this and to make sure um, nobody else feels like they're alone in this. Exactly. And it is, you know, it's a marathon, not a sprint, right? Yeah. Um, but, but, but at the same time, when, you know, we think of our own journey, we all want to sprint and we want to be at the finish line and, you know, 10 seconds from now and, have it be all over but uh, when you know when we see the bigger picture we realize it's not the case but often you know we sit and we wish it was because we you know we've become accustomed to living with it and you know wish it was gone right so yeah i like i went into my psychologist for the first time october 23rd october 24th seeking anything somebody had mentioned to me about going on sick leave I, I didn't know if that was an option or not I brought it up to the psychologist but my main priority was I needed something help me somehow I need to get the ball rolling and he put me on sick leave he said yeah you need you need time you need a break 
and he uh, he suggested it first until January 15th. And when he said that, I was like, good Lord, that's a lot of time. Like, I can, anything that I want to get done, like, I should be 100% in two months. And January 15th came, and I was like, I haven't even started. I don't even, I don't know what's, I don't know how long this is going to take. But, um, you know, I guess I was sprinting at first. And, you know, it takes everybody a different amount of time, I think. And I, I thought that I'd be... I thought I'd be back to work by now, but um, I've kind of accepted that. And he kind of told me that, well, however long this takes, whether it's three months or six months or a year or whatever it's going to be, it's just a small fraction of the rest of your life. And if you can stop right now and deal with it, you'll be so much better off for it, you know, to find the coping mechanisms and just know how to manage this in the future. And I never thought of it that way before. Yeah, and it's, you know, this is something that's, this has been on my mind a lot lately. Uh, and it's so funny because, um, you know, you see, one of the biggest things, and I know you've probably seen it as well, because, you know, you're on, you're on sports Twitter as much as I am. Uh, but, but you see the adage of, you know, like Babcock's out there, um, you know, being the, the real good pro and bringing it every day. Right, and you you kind of laugh at it when you see you know see them talking about your professional athletes that way. But then when you think about you know your own diagnosis or your own history, it makes a little bit of sense. You know, you you've got to if you want to beat this, make an effort every day, right? And it, mm. it's you know some days are harder than others, and the effort you need to make every day isn't necessarily you know the whole thing at once it might be something small but uh, like i've learned i've got to not let a day you know waste where i spend the entire day in bed has been the biggest one for me yeah and yeah i've done that and if not in bed like my my uh a lot of days in december where i'd make it to the couch and that'd be about it um, yeah, and it, when it's dark out and miserable, it's so much easier to do that too. Yeah, and I appreciate Michael Landsberg so much. But one thing he says, I don't know if you've seen the the Lands vlogs or on his Twitter, where he uses the hashtag "Proud of the Shower," and mm-hmm. I I just couldn't quite get there. I could have a shower, I wasn't that proud of it. I I know that maybe it's a small victory, but I just didn't see it that way. No, exactly, and I've seen that even in myself, right? Um, but for me, it was finding something that I I could do every day that wasn't that difficult, but that also made me feel better. And it, it was funny that, you know, I did suffer another concussion last fall. And in the time leading up to that, I probably felt the best I had ever felt or ever remember feeling in quite some time. Um and what I was doing is, you know, I was outside a lot um, every day as much as I could, even which, again, is easier in August um, when, you know, the sun is down by the time you get off work. But it was something that I stuck to. And then, you know, I had that injury um, again, and that that had come with its own complications as well. Um, and so for me, it's, you know, I've gone from – 
I would, think I used to be a person who would do, you know, sprints until I threw up as opposed to doing any type of endurance activity hmm. because that was, that was just how I, I felt and how I was wired and what I've enjoyed. And now I've had to, I've had to adjust, um, big time. And now I, like, it's, it's been mostly outdoor walking because that's, you know, what I've been able to do. Um, but it's been something that I've enjoyed and it's been something that I've been able to do every day and stick to. And it, like, for me, that's been almost enough. I don't want to say it's enough. And I, like, I definitely don't want to say there hasn't been bad days, but it, it's been that, that one little reminder where like, I've had, you know, that time to just probably just reflect, to be honest, and, you know, get outside. And, and it's gotten to the point where, because it's habit forming, like most of the brain is, right? You train your brain to do things, whether it's, you know, negative thoughts um, being the obvious one here, but whether it's, you know, that or, you know, a movement for a sport or playing an instrument or anything, you your mind gets better at what you train it to do, right? And so, like, with this journey that I've been on lately, it's been more... I've really become accustomed to enjoying the outside to the point where, and it's funny, uh, but, but the point where I don't care what it's doing outside, I'm happy to be out there. So, so there's been, you know, days where I've, I've been outside in the middle of a blizzard or, you know, the pouring down rain and for some reason, uh, you know, that I don't know. I found enjoyment in that, and that's been something for me. It's been something to hold on to, right? Um, on the bad days and on the good days, it's been you know, just another adventure, right? Um, but yeah, for me, that that was a big adjustment, and that's kind of been the like like finding that one thing to hold on to and do, whether it is you know, it's not necessarily proud of the shower um it, to Probably me something, it's, though. it's yeah it's having your i did this today and it made me feel good and i know it or or it's something you know if it's a bad morning and then you know it's it's one of the longer days at work where it seems to drag on or whatever i'm now to the point where i know I have the evening and I have this thing that I'm going to do and it's going to make me feel good. And even if it doesn't make me feel better completely, it's something that I can hold on to that's going to, you know, even on the worst days, uplift me a little bit. And sometimes on those dark days, all, all you need is a little bit. Right. So that, that's been the biggest, I guess, revelation for me is, having that thing to hold on to and to be comfortable with um, every day, right? And then you build on that. And then once you build on that, you build on that and you continue to build, right? Um, At least in my own experience, that's how I've started this this journey anyway. Um, And it's been, it's been good. It's, It's been real good. That's uh, that's a that's a revelation for me to be honest because um, 
even even just saying it it's not something i usually say right so yeah. even to, to say that it, it's almost relieving right yeah and somehow i never thought of what's one thing i can do every single day that will bring me joy and i'm going to take some time to have to think about that one but that's uh that's not something i ever thought of and I guess Landsberg did actually mention that when he when he referred to the proud of the shower hashtag. He said it's not the shower specifically. And in this context, I was taking it as specifically the shower because I was taking a shower and I'd be like, yeah, I don't feel any better. Like, I, I'm not proud of taking a shower. But it's finding that one thing that you can be proud of and that the shower is a metaphor. Yeah. Well, and, now, now that and... you've said that, I think I need to t- make an effort to come up with that thing. For a lot of us, it is. Um, I know I can't speak for you, um, but I can certainly speak for myself. Is that I do like my my thoughts are all over the place, you know, quite often. Here one minute, there the next. Um, inconsistent, you know. Something I thought was a great idea yesterday, I think is a terrible idea today. Oh, constantly. So on and so forth. Yeah. So having having that one constant there is really helpful for me to kind of bring things back into into the center, into the core, so to speak, right? Yeah, that might be a game changer for me. That that's that's huge. I never I for some reason that's never come up in my therapy. That's not something I ever really thought of. That we've talked about goal setting and things like that, but never that like one just the very the smallest thing you can do each day that would bring you pride, that would bring you happiness, that might bring you an ounce of something. I never thought of it that way. No, that is that is a goal. <laughs> The, yeah. way, the way I see it, you know, that that is a goal. And I do it every day. Yeah. My goal today is to do it today. My goal tomorrow is to do it tomorrow. That's that's excellent. Before we wrap up, um, I was just curious. One thing we never really got around to was um, what made you want to speak out at all? Because, like, I've, I was inspired by you. I was inspired by Michael Landsberg. Um I, I've been inspired by, you know, nobody's really coming to mind at the moment, but since I've come out, like Johnny Manziel um, came out and said that he was diagnosed with bipolar, and... DeMar had a tweet there. DeMar, well, yeah, DeMar DeRozan, um, but I'm just thinking back to before I decided to speak out, and then nobody's really coming to mind past the last couple of weeks at the moment, but just it's you and Michael for think, sure... Um... Uh, yeah, um, him for me as well. And then for me, like the you mentioning those athletes as well, um, you know, uh, because I, I, you do you do look up to those professional athletes. I think another one that comes to mind for me as well, um, which was especially unbelievable, especially considering um, his position was um, Osuna of the Blue Jays. Yeah, when, when he had mentioned that, and, and you know, it, it's hard to conceptualize that when he's the guy who's supposed to save the day, right, and have the game, when the game's on the line, he's the guy who comes in and saves the day. So, you you know, you you brush it off as, hey, no way. And for him to come out and say that was, you know, fantastic for me as well. Um, but, yeah, Michael Landsberg, another one as well. Um, and then, you know, I do have another couple close friends as well who have come forward with their own stories. And so I think I don't personally think it was any you know light bulb moment or any aha so to speak but um 
you know, you see it around you and you see people you, you admire and look up to doing it and saying, hey, me too. And in one sense, you almost, you almost want to get on board with it because it's whether, you know, we're here or not, uh, you know, whether it happens in 10 years or 50 years or even 100, it's nice to be a part of you know, the people who are speaking out and the people who are making a difference, whether your difference is huge or small, it's it's nice to have that sense of community, I guess. Um, so, yeah, I don't know that it was any, you know, one individual or moment, but, and at the same time, maybe it was just, you know, comfort with, you know, you meet other like-minded individuals and you start realizing it's not just you and, once you have the first conversation, you can't have the second one until you do, right? And you can't have the third until you have the second, and you can't have the fourth until you have the third, right? And so much like, you know, the habit forming um, that I'd mentioned earlier, it just starts to come easier to you. and Or at least for me personally, it is like I know yeah, two years ago um, when I was coming near the end of, you know, my schooling is it was just something that, you know, I wanted no part of. I didn't want to talk about it all, right? And then eventually, you know, you did and you realize it's it's probably not gonna be the end of the world and you know, you, you might help some people. Hopefully you do help some people. Uh, but you know, and I think I, I've seen a few other people who share as well. You're not just helping other people, but I, I really think that, you know, by sharing, you're helping yourself a lot too, because now all of a sudden you're not alone with that, those thoughts. Between what I'm doing for myself right now through the Bell's Talk tweets and then this podcast, between what I'm doing for myself and how I seem to be helping others slowly, I've had Friends reach out, I've had strangers reach out, and considering, even considering my professional career, I, I grew up as a giant Montreal Canadiens fan, and I got an opportunity to work in the organization for two years, and doing exactly what I set out to do. I went into PR school, I, was, I worked in media relations for the minor league affiliate, and I, you know, that was a point of pride for a while, but... Um, I got to, you know, I got to work games at the Bell Center, but I can say without hesitation that this dinky little podcast is the thing that I'm most proud of that I've ever done, and I think it's going to have far more impact than anything I've ever done. At least, may I think it? Not just I think it, but I hope it more than anything. That I hope that this continues to do something for somebody on an everyday basis and continues to grow and people hear about it and that type of thing. So what, yeah. uh, what, what type of thing when you, when you started blogging, what, what did it do for you? I guess it, it just, well, a, it, I, some of it was stuff, you know, I, I had never really talked about before. And even, you know, there, there's things I didn't write about and I'm sure there's things that you know you you haven't and you know may may never talk about on this podcast right but 
even to share some of it to get it off your chest and then to have other people come back and say you know it's never it's never been I've never had somebody come back and say yeah and I hope I never do but I've never had somebody say oh wow you're depressed you're you're less of of a human now right I've never had somebody do something like that as a result um truly hope it never happens I'm uh, sadly I'm sure it does um but things like this are going to change that I hope so I think it's all I I've been told it's already doing that for me and my podcast and I hope it continues to and I hope that uh I can continue to have conversations with people like you that um it's it's nice to nice to hear from you we haven't uh haven't chatted in a while um I haven't seen you in like five years since I lived in Truro where you grew up and uh what's that it's been a while for sure man Um, it's crazy well that time flies it does but but that's you know that's it is, is that we we both you know we have this you know having known each other for you know over a decade now not that i wish it upon either of us but but it's because we both deal with this we have this new connection and this new level to our friendship so yeah you know it's not all bad right so yeah good that's a good way to put it um i think i think we should leave it there i can't say it much better than that myself so um by all means it sounds great and it's been a pleasure so how did i do for a first time interview on this podcast uh not my first interview before i do have a background in in journalism and in pr but um it was nice to get the first interview out of the way on the podcast and uh tyler was a was a great way to do it he's a he's a good kid he's a smart kid um and it's crazy to hear that somebody like him who is so bright and has a promising future deals with such an illness. It can happen to anybody. So I hope you enjoyed the conversation and uh, there'll be more to come. I'm looking forward to sharing the stories of uh, more friends and acquaintances and some people who know a lot more about this space than I do that can shed some light for you and help you get help if you need it. And if you need help, I'm always here to uh, do what I can to help you find the resources you need or just somebody to listen to your story. You can catch me at Dickey on Twitter. Give me a shout. Give me a follow. Happy to start a conversation with you. Let's beat mental illness together. And with that, that's a wrap on this episode of My Therapy with Justin Dickey. Just want to say this episode is brought to you by Dickey's Meats of West Leicester, Nova Scotia. Because, as I mentioned previously, I needed to pay for hosting for this podcast, and my dad offered to pay for it. That's his business, so I'm giving him some airtime. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon.